Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Dial 678-ESOG now for a solution to your foundation and waterproofing problems. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adam. What a thrill is it, it is for us here coming up in just a couple of minutes' time. We're going to get a chance to say hello to Georgia, former Georgia outside linebacker Aziz Ojolari, a guy who's expected to be a first-round pick coming up in a couple of weeks, a guy who was huge for the dogs on the field the last couple of years. We'll celebrate his time at Georgia, and we'll look ahead to what should be just a great night for him in the NFL draft when it begins here. We'll do all of that with Aziz Ojolari here coming up in a couple of minutes. Really excited about that. Connor Riley on the way today there as well but stay tuned here in just a few minutes to hear from Aziz Ojolari on today's program by the way good to have you with us Dog Nation Daily presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia let me begin though today this way you know we're all I think probably most of us at least anyway on the internet on social media sometimes more than we wish we were probably spending a little too much time and we have all these like memes and things that kind of fly by us and to a certain extent you know we just kind of get kind of glossed over by the whole thing kind of just almost numb to it but every now and then you see something that's really really funny Uh, to me the simplicity of this particular meme I think is really funny I think there's kind of a takeaway here for Georgia football this has been shared a million different ways but I'll give credit to Ross Tucker because I guess Tucker the NFL analyst is the one who I saw did this first here's what he put out there on uh, Twitter related to a debate that's apparently going on among Cincinnati Bengals fans right now about what they should do with the fifth overall pick take uh, Jamar Chase the wide receiver from LSU or Panay Sewell the offensive lineman out of Oregon and the meme that I guess a Bengals fan must have created if you're watching a video you can see this I'll have to describe it for everybody else you have option a which is Burrow throwing the ball Sewell blocking for him and then the ball is going to a receiver described as anybody essentially the takeaway here is is that if you've got a good offensive lineman protecting for a good quarterback then it doesn't matter who you throw to you're going to have success now the option b part is what's really funny You've got Jamar Chase standing out there at wide receiver. This time, the anybody is just some average Joe offensive lineman, and Joe Burrow can't get rid of the football. He's being sacked. Like I said, I don't know why this is so funny to me. It's just super simple. It's like stick figure drawings, but it obviously tells a story that, hey, if according to the Bengals fan here that thinks they should take Sewell instead of Chase, that if you've got a good offensive lineman protecting for a good quarterback, then it doesn't really matter what you have at wide receiver. But if you've got just some average Joe, as they say, sometimes in uh, football circles, the J-A-G, just a guy. If you have just a guy playing along your offensive line, then you can have Jamar Chase as your wide receiver, but even Joe Burrow is still not going to be able to get him the football. And I think there's a little bit of a takeaway here when it comes to uh, Georgia football there as well, because for as much attention as we've paid, and with good reason to, you know, the, the idea of JT Daniels now coming back year over year as a firmly entrenched starting quarterback. And there's obviously been concern related to the Georgia wide receiver receiver situation because of the injury that we know is serious for George Pickens and that we feared might be serious for guys like Jermaine Burton, Arian Smith. Come to find out those weren't maybe as serious as we thought they would be. We've obsessed over that, even within position groups on the other side of the ball. You know, there's so much attention being paid to what's happening for Georgia in the defensive secondary with all the losses and obviously the addition of Tyke Smith and kind of you know, on and on you go with all that kind of stuff. I would dare say, and I'm when, you know, later on in the show today when Connor Riley comes in, I'm asking about this. 
But I would dare say that we're maybe not talking enough about the offensive line situation in Georgia. And not because I know it to be bad. You know, Georgia's trying to figure out who's, who its starter is going to be there at left tackle. You've got interior offensive line spots that are open as well. Center with Trey Hill now gone. Uh, it's not that I know that it's going to be bad. Uh, there's a chance it's very good. Obviously there's, obviously, there's plenty of talent potentially in place. But it's just a very significant question, as the meme we just showed you a moment ago said. Listen, it doesn't matter who you have at wide receiver. It doesn't matter who you have at quarterback. If you're not settled along your offensive line, then you're not going to be as good offensively as you otherwise could be. And at least based on the first scrimmage that we saw Saturday, or at least we didn't see it, we heard about it, Kirby Smart's reaction to it, the Georgia offensive line right now a little bit unsettled, at least based on Smart in his own words, with these position battles ongoing. This is the evaluation he gave from that group after the scrimmage on Saturday. Listen to this. That was okay. Not where we need to be. We're still moving some parks around, but certainly got work to do to get where we need to get. Um, got some young guys out there trying to play. And, you know, we, we, when you do situational football, it's really hard to evaluate because you do eight third downs in a row. You'll never do that in real life. Uh, during move the field, uh, we, we were able to move the ball at times and then had a couple turnovers in the red area. And defense gave up some big plays, but then they, they played well in the red area at times. So kind of went both ways. So Smart not really giving you a lot of enthusiasm about that. It's difficult to tell what he kind of takes from that, but not where they need to be yet. That's pretty clear. Now, the reason why a lot of Georgia fans may not be too concerned about any of this is because, as I said a moment ago, Matt Luke, the Georgia offensive line coach, has plenty of talent at his disposal in terms of finding the best five that are out there. And some of that's like young players, in many cases very heavily recruited players into the program. This could be Broderick Jones' time to shine. We've certainly heard he has a chance to do that. You think about a Marius Mim, who steps in as a true freshman right now. We saw Andrew Thomas start as a true freshman back in 2017. Could Mims maybe do the same thing this year? We'll see about that. You know, you also have to start thinking about interior offensive linemen like Cedric Von Prahm. We've heard some good things about Austin Blasky so far this spring. Uh, so, you know, there are some young players who have a chance to kind of fill out the depth here for Georgia and contribute to what could be a very good starting five. In fact, you know, Warren McClendon, who now is one of those veterans, kind of in place as a you know solid start at the right tackle spot we think that's where he's going to stay for this upcoming season he says when he looks around Georgia practice and sees some of those young guys and what they're doing he's kind of impressed with what he sees and he thinks that Matt Luke as offensive line coach might be as well Warren McClendon on the subject of some of those younger offensive linemen uh the young players they're doing good uh they're all doing good they all uh coach Luke's been working with them they've been putting in the work this offseason they just want to come out and prove themselves you know be able to put in and help the team. So, as I said before, you know, you don't have to go back too far into Georgia history to find moments in which young offensive linemen have been very pivotal for Georgia. Georgia glad they had them. True freshman in 2017 with Andrew Thomas, redshirt freshman in 2018 with Isaiah Wilson. But the program was in a little bit different position from a depth standpoint back then. You didn't have quite as deep an offensive line as you do now. You didn't have, you know, as many other potential answers. And I think what a lot of Georgia fans kind of think now, sort of hope now, is that while it's great to have a Mims and a Jones and a Cedric Von Prahn and a on and on you might go Tate Ratledge for sure it's great to have all these guys there's also the thought that maybe maybe some of the guys who've been here whether it's a you know a Warren Erickson maybe emerging as a full-time starter for the first time or 
you know, a Xavier Truss, who's kind of been in the program a little bit and got his chance to start in the bowl game. Maybe admittedly, that wasn't a perfect day for him, but but that experience mattering in the competition that's ongoing right now, or even, in fact, you know, someone like Justin Schaefer, who really has now been at Georgia for quite some time and, you know, not as heralded a recruit as some of the other names we're going to mention here, but a guy that's kind of proven his worth by kind of being on the field, kind of getting that experience. You know, some of those guys who've been here for a while, maybe Georgia leans on them a little bit more than they have in the past because of the fact that all of a sudden this program now has more depth in that regard than it's kind of had before. That's something that uh, that 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 uh, Justin Schaefer himself talked about uh, not too long ago when he met with the reporters. That you know he kind of looks around, and sees some of these big recruits, and says, "Hey, listen, you know I use that as kind of a, a motivation tool for me to kind of go out there and be as good as I can be." Schaefer's talked about that. I always look at myself as the underdog because coming out of high school, I was an underdog. Coming in in college, I was an underdog because I had people like Andrew and Isaiah. People like them in front of me, so I always knew I was an underdog, so I always just play with that chip on my shoulder and just feel like I got a point to prove. I mean, I think the overall point here is is there's no shortage of potential options for Georgia along the offensive line. But it is fair to say that as we look into all the things that are going on with Georgia during its spring practice, there are as many unanswered questions in relationship to this offensive line as there maybe is any other position group, including something like defensive secondary, that's probably gotten more attention overall. So the bottom line is, for Georgia fans, as we head towards G-Day, I think the fans believe that eventually Georgia will have a t- starting five figured out and some depth behind that and Everything should be all good in Matt Luke's world when it comes to that offensive line. But as of now, maybe things are a little unsettled. And as Georgia fans kind of watch what's going on during the spring, seeing what's happening there at the offensive line seems like a pretty good place to look. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We are presented today by Engineered Solutions of Georgia, and happy to have you. No matter how you get to us today, video, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Radio Noon, of course, on Athens Sports Radio 960 The Ref, podcasts wherever you find them, including the world-famous dognation.com. Big thanks to our friends at ESOG for making it all possible. You know, Engineered Solutions of Georgia, proud partners of UGA, make some really fun to do business with. They've been good friends of ours here at Dog Nation Daily for quite some time. They are also very, very serious about a couple of issues that can be a very big deal for homeowners when it comes to your foundation issues, your waterproofing issues. Engineered Solutions of Georgia knows what that's all about. When it rains, many of you get that kind of pit in your stomach knowing water's going to be creeping in or you've seen those cracks show up in the walls, your foundation, and you know that that's an issue that needs to be dealt with. Well, the good news is, is when you put the folks at Engineered Solutions of Georgia to work for you, they've got smart people who are going to handle that and do that for you. Two full-time engineers on staff. So, very easy to get in touch with. Simply call them today. Just dial this number, 678-ESOG-NOW. That's 678-ESOG-NOW. That'll get you in touch with Engineered Solutions of Georgia, proud partners of UGA, good friends of ours here at Dog Nature Daily for quite some time. They will get to work solving your problem. Solutions-based company, they're the one to trust. Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Make sure you find them today. All right, it's Dog Nation Daily presented by ESOG here today. Later on, we'll kind of continue the offensive line conversation. We started there. We'll find out what Connor Riley has to say about that, what he's seen in terms of what you know McClendon Schaefer talked about when they met with the reporters this week, what Kirby Smart himself was kind of evaluated with the offensive line, and just kind of the rumblings and grumblings, the, the whispers, about how this group is coming together. We'll talk more to Connor about that. Everything else going on around Georgia spring practice there as well. 
But here in just a moment's time, really excited about having the former Georgia outside linebacker Aziz Ojolari on the program today. I think when you look at one of the great success stories that that UGA has had here the last couple of years, Ojolari certainly stands out as one of those. This is a guy who came into Georgia, you know, spent some time in that first year of 2018, battling injury a little bit, recovering from that injury. But certainly you get the impression that he learned while watching, and he bided his time, and they're late in the season, bowl game against Texas, of course, we remember. He had a chance to kind of get on the field, show what he was all about, and it just seemed fairly obvious. And there's lots of stuff that sometimes that seems obvious that turns out not to be quite as easy to predict as maybe we assumed that it would be. But in the case of Ojolari, that kind of transition from the 2018 season to the 2019 season, it seemed fairly obvious that um, – that he was going to be ready for a real breakout year in 2019. And that's kind of exactly the way that went down. He proved himself to be in a very deep outside linebacker situation for George. And that position group, when you look at the way that George has recruited it, the talent that's been there, it's been as deep as as, as any uh, position group under Kirby Smart. That's not an easy room to stand tall above the rest in. But that's exactly what Ojolari was able to do, proving himself to be a top-flight player and a team leader in 2019, and then taking his game to a different level there in 2020, now on the doorstep of being a first-round pick here coming up in just a couple of minutes' time. So with that in mind, let's get ready to say here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia, a very happy hello to Aziz Ojolari here on the program today. Aziz, thank you so much for your time. I know how busy you are getting ready for the NFL draft, so the fact that you would stop by and say hello to us here for a couple of minutes certainly means a lot to thank you for your time yes sir no problem man thank you for having me you know one of the things i was talking about before you joined us was that time that you spent recovering from injury in 2018 kind of as a lead into what you did in 2019 and 2020 what did you learn that season while you had to watch while you had to see your teammates yeah. doing it what did you learn by watching back then yeah i was just learning just just learning the game learning the scheme at practice, I was able to go against the best of the best, Andrew Thomas, Isaiah Wilson, at practice every day. Just I was over there serving to them at, at the scout team unit, so I was just getting better for myself, just seeing everything, seeing the game speed, watching the guys in front of me like uh, DeAndre Walker, Walter Grant, those guys that were playing, and just seeing the way they play, seeing how things played out. It was just good for me seeing it visually. And of course, like, right there. And of course, last year, you know, obviously you break out in a big way. The Georgia pass rush, I think, probably better than it was in any other other year previous to that under Kirby Smart. You know, how good did it yeah. feel to kind of lead the way? And, you know, the Peach Bowl bowl game against Cincinnati, for instance, probably don't win that game without your pass rushing efforts, or at least it would have been much more difficult yeah. to. How, how good did you and your teammates feel about the fact that you were able to, you know, really kind of get after the quarterbacks last year and kind of, you know, some of the Havoc play stuff we've all talked about before? You guys really put that out there on the field last year how good did that feel as as a player to be a part of that yeah man it was uh definitely big it was great actually because you know in that OLB room d-line room we all want sacks we want to just find ways on our defense we just always want to find ways to create havoc every single time we play step on the field so that's that's something we definitely uh preached this off that off season coming into the season so it was very big for us to up those numbers for sure and the way we practice the way we work at it every day it just paid off for us all we're talking to former outside linebacker from Georgia, Zizo Jalari. He's going to be a part of a big event at the uh, UGA bookstore around the G-Day weekend. We'll tell you more about that coming up in just a couple of minutes here. You know, Aziz, as you prepare for the NFL draft, I think one of the things that a lot of us are probably curious about, 
this is such a different kind of draft experience than maybe you would assume you would have been a part of. Thinking back a few years ago, the absence of the right. combine, obviously the global pandemic kind of affecting a way that scouts are able to see you all and, and kind of make those evaluations. Has it been more challenging because maybe you feel like you have less opportunities to show yourself? It certainly seems like pro day for you in Athens went really well, but how mm-hmm. has the pandemic that we're still obviously living with impacted your ability to kind of you know show what you're all about to some of these NFL draft scouts? Yeah, I'll say uh, since we didn't have no combine, the pro day was very big for all of us athletes for sure to showcase what we could do. The pro day was basically like our combine. And everything we're doing is on Zoom. So all the meetings with the teams is on Zoom. Uh, we just phone calls and Zoom, FaceTime calls. And everything's on Zoom right now So because they can't have no face-to-face uh, contact with us. So, it was like, it, I mean, it's kind of weird, though, because everything's still on Zoom yeah. a year later. So it's it's very different, though. It's a different experience for sure than I'm pretty sure last year that the guys that got to go to the combine is very different for sure. So yeah. when you have a pro day and you've got so much at stake, you know, folks are obviously watching you very closely mm-hmm. because uh, you're thought to be a first-round pick. Are, are the butterflies right. in the stomach, is it similar to a game day, the, the way you get hyped in a locker room before you go out there to play? What's the kind of mental approach to a pro day, similar or different than a normal game day? I say it's probably like similar, you know. You just trying to it's just it's football, so you know, me just trying to still go out there, do what you do. Don't think of too much, just do what you do. You've been you've been playing football your whole life, so you know, you're confident. You just go out there, do what you do, really. So it was just it was a good time. I was prepared for it, with all the hard work I put in. I was just ready for the moment, you know. So it was good. How weird is it when you are obviously – I don't know how much of the media stuff you pay attention to, but there's all this draft talk on the internet, on TV, about who's supposedly rising up the draft boards, who's kind of you know maybe falling down, where you might be picked in these mock drafts. A lot of Georgia fans are watching that stuff very closely. How much do you allow yourself to pay attention to that? And if you want to block it out, how easy is it to do that, just knowing that it's just so present – you know, all over the you know the media sphere right now, with folks making yeah. their opinions about who's supposed to be drafted where. Yeah, you see it every day on ESPN when you watch TV. Uh, it's always on there. NFL Network is on. It's always on there for sure. But we, I mean, we're just gonna wait it out and see what see what actually happens on the 29th. You know, because we don't really know what's pushing gonna happen. It could get crazy and hectic on draft night, so you never know. So we're just gonna wait and see. To be honest, for sure. I want to ask you about your Georgia teammates before I let you go. Let me squeeze in one more thing before we get there on that. It's obviously been quite a journey for you at UGA. So many of us have enjoyed watching the way that you've matured as a person and as a player there as well. How would you describe the role that Georgia has played in all this, whether it be Kirby Smart or Dan Lanning or whomever else? What about your Georgia experience would you kind of take with you as you prepare for the NFL draft? And how do you think Georgia helped you with that along the way? Yeah, I'll say uh, Georgia's top-notch with everything we do, no matter what it is, Kirby Smart, Coach Lannan, uh, with uh, Coach Sinclair in the weight room, everything's top-notch. They want the best out of you and everything. So no matter what it is, being on time, not missing the, a meal, everything, just straight business, straight work. So I basically definitely, I'm going to carry that on with me to, uh, to the next level. So it's going to be with me the way I approach the UGA, the same way I'm approach the league. Just keep getting better every single day. Just a hard work mentality. Never give up. Just keep going. Just keep striving for greatness. Get better every single day. And I feel like I'll be successful. 
sure. So a lot of folks wonder, you know, big shoes to fill for you there, you know, for, for those who have to step in for mm-hmm. you there at Georgia. When you yeah. think about those other outside linebackers, whether it be Adam Anderson or Nolan Smith or, yeah. you know, Robert Beal, you know, how, how do you feel yeah. about those guys? What's your expectation for that group without you here this upcoming season? Yeah, I expect them to dominate definitely for sure next season coming up. I, I expect them to dominate. The, the standard is there for them to set and go after it. And, you know, all the boys could play. So Rob definitely – I expect Rob to get out there, make big plays. Nolan Smith for sure. And I know Adam. Adam is on a different level. I believe Adam throw up some crazy numbers up there. With it. I believe Adam can get in double digits of sacks and Nolan too. So it should be a great, great time watching those boys. I can't wait to watch them play for sure. Definitely. Boy, that's really exciting. Before we say goodbye to you, let me remind folks, coming up G-Day weekend on Friday and Saturday, our friends at the UGA Bookstore have a big autograph signing. Obviously, Aziz Ojolari is going to be a big part of that. You see it there coming up on the Friday night. Ben Cleveland, Mark Webb, Tyson Campbell, $20 for those autographs. They're going to be there from 4 to 6 p.m. And then on uh, Saturday, April 17th, that's G-Day uh, day from uh, 10 to 12 a.m. there that morning. DeAndre Swift and uh, Aziz Ojolari uh, going to be on hand of course Richard LeCount coming up later on that afternoon there as well uh, Aziz how much fun is it for you to kind of be back with Georgia fans again getting a chance to say hello to them there at the UGA bookstore sign some autographs for them uh, something that maybe as a player you didn't get to do as much as you wanted to now as a future NFL star you get a chance to do how much are you looking forward to being a part of that with uh, Georgia fans coming up on April the 17th yeah I can't wait man I love the Georgia fans I love the energy the passion they bring every single weekend I just love them, so it'll be great to get back out there, feel the atmosphere, the fans. It just, it just be a great day in Athens, a Saturday in Athens, you know. Yeah, it doesn't beat that. Saturday in Athens is as good as it gets. Well, Aziz, we've certainly loved watching you play at Georgia over the years, and so many UGA fans tuned in today can't wait to see where you land in the NFL draft and what happens after that. So congratulations on a a great football career to this point in time. Good luck as you head towards the draft and continued success, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Fruit. I mean, listen, you know, I'm a Georgia partisan, of course. I, I, I love talking dogs, cheering for the dogs. So many of you are there as well. I will tell you that some players are just really easy to root for. And Ojolari has just always been one of those guys. He just kind of comes across, and he sort of gives you that good dude vibe. You know what I'm saying? He just He just comes across as a, as a good dude. And um, obviously, I'm a little bit biased here, but you listen to the interview there, the the polite way in which he speaks, the, the focused intensity with which the way he plays. It is just very easy to assume that, to me, he's a safe pick. And... You know, listen, people talk about hand on the ground, you know, outside linebacker defensive end. You, you have you know, any kind of evaluation you want to. But the thing that, pro, at least in my mind, that, that prohibits players from NFL success more than anything else is how you handle that transition. Clearly, uh, Ojolari is someone who is seemingly going to handle that transition well. This is a guy who, in a very crowded situation at Georgia, you heard, uh, you heard uh, Ojolari, you know, mentioning some of those names. The Adam Andersons, the Nolan Smiths of the world, and a very crowded outside linebacker. Even guys who are not here anymore. Ojolari stood out from that group and uh, made a name for himself. So uh, I obviously feel like Ojolari represents a very safe pick as you head towards the NFL draft for some lucky team, obviously in the first round. What an exciting day that is. And listen, y'all have also heard me say a million times before there as well that great 
college football teams get after quarterbacks. That's just the profile. You don't have to hold teams to 14 points a game, but you do have to get after quarterbacks. You have to make it difficult to make the big explosive pass plays. And last year, Ojolari led a transformation for Georgia in that regard. It's a transformation that I hope continues, maybe even takes another step forward here this upcoming season. But you've got to give Aziz a ton of the credit for the way in which that kind of unfolded a year ago. So that's all really exciting. Before we move on to our SEC through, can we just give another shout out uh, one more time about exactly what's going to be going down at the UGA bookstore? We told you about Aziz Ojolari going to be there. Let me show you this in the screen one more time. Let's run through it all once again. So on the day before G to April 16th from 4 to 6 p.m., you got Ben Cleveland, Mark Webb, Tyson Campbell. They're going to be on hand. And then on April 17th, another trio of great autograph guests uh, from 10 to noon there that day, DeAndre Swift, uh, Aziz uh, Ojolari, Jalari on hand and then from uh, 12 until 2 there that day Richard LeCount the great former uh, UGA safety you see the prices there ugbookstore.com if you want to find out more about this or you can call them 706-542-3171 that's 706-542-3171 what a great weekend a bunch of UGA greats hanging around there at the UGA bookstore in and a lead up to uh, G-Day gosh that's going to be a, a lot of fun can't wait to see all of that uh, go down here in just a, a little bit of time. All right, let's uh, get a couple of SEC through stories here uh, just for a little bit before we move on. So this is kind of outside the SEC through uh, world here a little bit, but I did want to mention this here really quick. So last night's national championship game, Baylor knocks off Gonzaga. We kind of said on yesterday's show that I'd been Gonzaga the entire time, but when you had seen how Baylor had been playing, you sort of wondered – does this make you want to hedge a little bit and you know maybe put a little thought on Baylor here just given the ease with which they coasted through the tournament and as good as the game was for uh, for Gonzaga against UCLA, possibly opening up a little bit in the way of huh, maybe a game a little closer than it was supposed to be against a team that wasn't supposed to be in the Final Four. And last night, Baylor exposed maybe some of those Gonzaga weaknesses a little further. And you know the other takeaway here is, and I'm not the only one to say this, but it is really interesting, even from a timeline perspective of how you know similar this sometimes you know feels the situation in Georgia, but but far worse at Baylor. You go back to 2003 when Dave Bliss was the coach there, and one of the Baylor players. It's just a tragic story, um, you know, murdered, and you know one of his teammates, you know. Uh, you know, admitted guilt in the murder of this player, and then all the NCAA stuff you know, related to Bliss, and you know, kind of the cover up after the fact of all of this. the The Baylor program was in shambles around 2003, and that's what Scott Drew inherited there. And here we are, all these years later, you know, talking about you know Baylor under Drew being a perennial NCAA tournament team and now a national champion. If Baylor can do that in the heels of what they dealt with. Then Georgia, who, much like Baylor, does not have, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, NCAA tournament history, at least prior to this. Baylor, you know, had not the Drew era. Uh, you know, Georgia's had its, you know, struggles in basketball. You know, you want to go back to that similar time period, early 2000s. You had the Jim Herrick stuff, which was far less serious than what Baylor dealt with. But the kind of thing, the, the NCAA stuff that came along with that, that was a setback for Georgia. When you see Baylor do what it did in getting to the to the Final Four, winning the national championship, certainly easy to assume that there's no reason a school like Georgia or anybody else couldn't eventually do the same kind of thing. You know, sometimes when you see the way in which Georgia has had its basketball struggles over the years, you're kind of left to wonder, well, I guess if it's just impossible that Georgia could ever build a, you know, build a winner and be, uh, you know, a consistent winner and a consistent performer, maybe it's just impossible for UGA all the way around. 
but when you see the way in which Baylor coming back over the course of the last couple of decades from as bad a situation as any Division One program probably ever found itself in, Scott Drew turned that program to a winner and now a national champion. It gives you a little bit of hope there, I would say, uh, and that's at least worth uh, considering. A couple of other, couple of other SEC through stories I want to get to here uh, just for a moment. Uh, kind of a scary story involving Rick Sandage. You may remember Sandage as a one-time UJ recruiting target, South Carolina defensive lineman. The Gamecocks won that recruiting battle. He was involved in a car accident over the uh, weekend. I want to read this from 24-7 Sports. So I guess his vehicle had turned over and um and Sanders was able to walk away from it and this is a big guy to be in a vehicle accident you know with when the car ends up being overturned he said all he had was a bad headache cut on his hands so i guess things better otherwise than they could have been but a little bit of a scary situation for Sandage, a guy that many of our audience are uh, very well aware of as a former big-time recruit, signed with South Carolina. I think expectations are that he's supposed to be a, a big part of their defensive line story this year, but a scary situation for him involved in an accident. And then one more I'll get to here. Uh, I saw Aaron Beasley. We didn't do this story yesterday because it was still just developing, and sometimes I want to be careful, stuff like that. But I guess Tennessee has now suspended Beasley indefinitely because of his role in what's been described as allegations of cruelty to animals, abusing a kitten. I mean, just when you think the stuff in Tennessee could not get any worse, that's like as bad a headline as you're going to ever get here. But um, that's the allegation that's out there. I guess facts are still coming in, but Tennessee has suspended Beasley for the moment. So, uh, that is that for a Vols program in desperate need of good news. That's as sinister a headline as you can possibly get. We'll make that your SEC through and keep the uh, Georgia talk going as we do a Kroger Fresh Take now with our buddy Connor Riley. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Kroger Fresh Take with Connor Riley here on uh, our program here today. Had a chance to hear from Georgia outside linebacker, former UGA outside linebacker. It's always hard to add the former in for some of these guys when you get so used to watching them play. But, Connor, how much did you enjoy getting a chance to hear from Ojolari a little earlier? And, boy, you talk about a guy that you know, makes Georgia look good you know, on and off the field. I think it's pretty easy to say that Ojolari gets that job done. What a thrill it was to have him on the program today. Yeah, I've always been a big fan of Ojolari. I, I think when he first started breaking through in the spring of 2019, I was sort of the leader of that hype train, say, hey, this guy could be a real piece for Georgia. And you and I were talking before the show. I mean, he I think he's pretty clearly a UGA great, led the team in sacks the last two seasons, and I think is going to make some NFL team very happy at the end of this month. And I, I guess there's some questions about the position fit, about you know what he's going to do at the NFL level. I guess I've read some of that kind of stuff. But in mm-hmm. terms of who I would view as a safe pick, and obviously I I'm biased here, so any NFL personnel men that happen to be tuned in, you know, do your own research. But, I mean, I just kind of view Ojolari as a pretty safe pick because Mm -hmm. he just kind of gives you good vibes, and obviously he's proven himself to be a hard worker, you know, improved his level of physicality, his his physical conditioning over the course of the time at Georgia. I'd have a hard time believing that Ojolari won't be a capable contributor at the NFL level. To me, he seems like a very safe pick. Yeah, if he's two inches taller, he's a a, no doubt about a top ten, maybe even top five pick when you factor in the measurable when you factor in you know arm length strength speed uh what he did on the field in terms of production I know there's a lot of edge rushers out there in that late teens early 20s range and I think of those guys 
Ojolari has the best film. He just doesn't necessarily have the height measurables that, say, Jalen Phillips Pay does. But to do what he did the last two years at Georgia, playing some of the best offenses in the country, playing really well against Alabama in that game this season against an elite offense, I think he's shown a lot in, in why he should be an NFL player. And listen, I want to say this, and you know, you heard Aziz a moment ago, very excited about what Adam Anderson is going to do this upcoming year, very excited about Nolan Smith, mentioning him by name specifically. You know, there's all this talk of, well, you know, why isn't Nolan Smith dominating the country yet? It was the former number one recruit, things like that. Sometimes it's just simple. Ojolari is going to be a first-round pick. You can only have so many outside linebackers on the field. In many uh, situations, Georgia only has one uh, outside linebacker in the game. At least that's been kind of the way they've you know commonly played. Ojolari is going to be on the field. It's hard to get him yeah. off the field. And now that he's gone, now it's time for somebody else to get to be what Aziz was. And as you heard Aziz say a moment ago, Anderson being able to do that or Nolan Smith being able to do that, that's still very much a possible and – potentially even likely outcome with all of this. This this program is still as deep as you get an outside linebacker, and all of a sudden now you get somebody else to say, I can play as well as a first-round pick played the last two years for Georgia. Right. I Aziz is going to be a first-round pick, and I, you know, while Nolan Smith or Adam Anderson haven't necessarily blown up the way Aziz have, they've shown promising flashes, and I think if you want to look at another position on another team – after Najee Harris's first two years at Alabama, people were like, well, what's the big deal? This guy hasn't really broken out in the way we all thought. Well, it's because he was playing behind Josh Jacobs and Damian Harris, two starting NFL running backs. So when Harris finally gets his full crack at playing time, you see what he did in 2019 and then in 2020 for Alabama. I have no reason not to believe that I think Nolan Smith and Adam Anderson are sort of capable of making those similar breakouts now that they don't have a potential first-round pick in front of them. And listen, I just want to say this. You know, I think we saw an evolution a year ago begin over Ojolari kind of leading the way. I think it maybe continues this year. It is bad news for the rest of college football, certainly the SEC teams in which Georgia plays, if all of a sudden this goes from being kind of a defensive secondary-led defense mm-hmm. to being a defense led by an outside linebacker or a, or a defensive end edge rusher type, if all of a sudden the face of this defense goes from being like all-American level safety to all-American level outside linebacker, all-American level edge rusher, the entire the entire fortunes of everything changes. This becomes a game-wrecking defense there at that point in time, and it doesn't matter how many points they're giving up or anything else, they're making things hard and opposing offense there at that point in time. This evolution that started last year, if it continues this year, that is not good for the teams that Georgia plays. There is a different narrative around teams that have that game yeah. Yeah. presence in the front. You think Quinnen Williams at Alabama, yeah. Chase Young at Ohio State, that awesome defensive line from Clemson on that 2018 team. And while Georgia has had very good secondary, secondary players, it, that when you play from the back to the front, you're just more likely to say, hey, we're not going to give up big plays. We're going to make you drive the field on us. Whereas if you have a front seven led, whether it be Jordan Davis, Trayvon Walker, Nicobe Dean, Nolan Smith, Adam Anderson, if you have one of those guys being your stud, your alpha, it changes the way your entire defense is viewed and thus plays. And I, I think there's a reason that 2017 – team has achieved something that the rest of Kirby Smart's time has not and that's because Roquan Smith was really the best player on that defense and that was a front seven led defense that year so we talked offensive line off the top of the program first of all do you think the Bengals meme is as funny as I do I don't know why I think this like stick figure you know uh, offensive line wide receiver comparison is uh, so funny but I do Uh, first of all do you think that's as funny as I do sometimes the best memes are the simplest it really is it makes me laugh but more importantly than that you know 
I sort of start to wonder if we're not talking enough about the offensive line. We fixate on the issues of the defensive secondary, seemingly with good reasons. We fixate on what may have happened with the wide receiver situation, obviously injury-related this spring, and there's certainly good reason to do that, no matter how much Kirby Smart may have chided folks uh, the other day on, on that topic. But given the fact that these other issues suck so much oxygen out of the room, are we paying as much attention to open, undecided starting positions along the offensive line as we should? So, yes, I think the part of the reason maybe – again, part of it is just the offensive line. Nobody really likes to talk about it all that much. It is the most misunderstood position or the least understood position in terms of diagnosing what and why things happen the way that they do. I think another part of the reason why it's flown under the radar a little bit is I think because there's a, a lot of people expect, even once you get into the season, there's the chance and possibility that combinations are going to move around and guys are going to change positions. I know it's a, a popular theory that Jamari Sawyer would start that Clemson game at left tackle, and then after that you move him inside when you take on a UAB team that doesn't figure to be as difficult, and you maybe put a, a Broderick Jones, a Xavier Truss, whoever that left tackle is going to be, in there for that UAB game. And one thing that I've said quite frequently, and I don't want to sound like a parrot at this point, but I think the offensive line issue, and and I feel comfortable calling it an issue, is a game 13 problem where it's going to take some time to figure out who that best five are and how they gel and come together. Whereas I think the cornerback position, I think that's much more of a game one issue where these guys are going to battle it out, and then once they get out there, you just have to trust them and believe in them. Whereas I think offensive line you can tinker with a little bit longer. I mean, there's a very good chance that Georgia has a good offensive Mm -hmm. line. I mean, my gosh, most of the teams in the country would love to be sifting through the names that Georgia will sift through to establish its starting five. So, you know, it's not obvious that Georgia won't have a very good offensive line. I guess when I think about the beginning of the season and against the Clemson defensive line, that's going to just be really, really good. You know, you obviously have to select a starter, but what you don't want is to be one of these guys that gets selected by default. You'd Mm -hmm. love to have somebody kind of surge in that regard. Here's this guy that, boy, you can't keep so-and-so off the field at Mm -hmm. tackle or so-and-so off the field at guard or center. There's a very good chance that's happening right now. I'm just not at practice to see it. Connor, you're just not at practice to see it. And, you know, Kirby's not under any kind of, you know, uh, he's not under oath when it comes to talking of this stuff during a press conference. So maybe somebody is surging. We just don't quite know as of yet. But – you know, to the extent that maybe no one has quite, you know, just sort of leapt their way to the front as of yet. To me, it's at least something worth monitoring. And I got to tell you, I don't think there's anything more interesting for me at G Day than just just making note of who those five offensive linemen mm-hmm. that go with the red team, with with JT Daniels under center, just making note of who those five guys are. That particular moment from the very beginning of the game, I think, maybe the single most interesting moment of the game for me. Yeah, I personally, because I was asked this on Twitter over the weekend, I think we're going to see Xavier Truss at the left tackle spot and essentially the same offensive line that you saw Georgia roll out there against Cincinnati. I'm guessing that's going to be the first team offensive line on G-Day. But I think to your point, you want to see Broderick Jones win that left tackle job. Mm-hmm. And Broderick has earned some praise for his pass protection and how he has played there. And that that's not really a surprise knowing him and the athleticism that he has there. It's can he continue to bulk up? Can he continue to be physical in the run 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 blocking way and if he can do that I think that's the potential key that unlocks the big ceiling that Georgia's offensive line has yeah let me just say this when it comes to Xavier Trust and the Peach Bowl the fact that I think most people would say he Mm -hmm. didn't play very well that day that does not matter much to me in terms of what he might be able to do in 2021 I don't hold that against him but here's where my evaluation may sound a little unfair to trust 
I would take it as better news that Jones is trending ahead of Truss than I would that Truss is trending ahead of Jones. The reason why I would take the the Jones side of this as the better news is because, you know, Truss was kind of the incumbent there because he started the bowl game. And so if Jones was, once again, to use the same word I used a moment ago, surging ahead of him, well, that must mean something really good. In the case of Truss, you can't do the algebraic equation and kind of get the same certainty right. of what, you know, how good is Xavier Truss playing or is this a situation where he hasn't been pushed maybe quite as hard as you think he would? Would have been by the former five star. I know that's a locked process, mm-hmm. but are you following what I'm saying? There? Yeah, and Kirby spoke about Xavier Trust. I think two weeks ago said, you know, he's got to consistently practice hard, and he's done some good things. I, I think to judge him solely based off what we saw in the Peach Bowl is a little unfair. First career start against a top five defense in Cincinnati. That's a really tough task, and the Georgia coaches clearly thought highly enough of him to put him out there instead of say a Broderick Jones. And I, you know, I feel like we have to at least acknowledge this when we talk about offensive line recruiting. So much of it is still colored by the fact that what these guys were as prospects we just sort of tend to gravitate towards the higher rated prospects but you can look back a season ago I'm sure you find takes from August July saying hey let's give Broderick Jones a chance at that right tackle spot maybe and nobody was really talking about Warren McClendon all that much and maybe other than Jamari Sire I would say he was maybe the most consistent offensive lineman that Georgia had last season so keep that in mind and don't necessarily just write off trust just yet because he lacked the recruiting pedigree that say a five-star Broderick Jones or a five-star Marius Mims had. Yeah I think that's fair to say and listen I've kind of joked about this before Mm -hmm. I'm obviously a stargazer to a certain extent when it comes to this kind of stuff but I'm not just going to go through and say, you know, Cedric Von Prine, former top 50 recruit, he's definitely my center. You know, Broderick Jones, former five-star, he's definitely my left tackle. And Marius Mims, five-star, he's definitely my right. You know, I'm not just going to do that when it comes to this offensive line because, as Jeff told us on Friday – uh, returns during you know practice pretty good for Austin Blasky yep. so far. That's not a guy who has that kind of recruiting pedigree. You heard Justin Schaefer a moment ago saying that he's kind of you know fueled by the fact that he was less of a recruit maybe than some of these other guys are. His experience matters. I don't quite remember where Warren Erickson ranks, but I'm assuming it was behind where SVP was. Yep. I mean that's a guy Erickson who I think could very much be the center mm-hmm. for Georgia here this year. So there are some there are some you know pretty clear you know position battles where I might even somewhat favor the lesser recruit in terms of actually earning that starting nod right and and again Andrew Thomas is such an outlier he is so I think significantly colored how a lot of us should view offensive linemen but a lot of these times these guys need to develop they need to put on significant weight you've seen Broderick Jones even need to do that coming into Georgia and so because it takes time for these guys to develop a lot of these guys develops at different speeds and a guy like Austin Blasky who's a great high school wrestler state champion down there in South Effingham uh, high school has developed and used those wrestling skills now that he's focused full-time on football. I think that's helped him and helped make an impact to where, you know, if not this season, maybe a year from now, he's someone who is contending for a starting spot on that Georgia offensive line. So what else when it comes to spring practice? I mean, listening to Kirby Smart from Saturday, and obviously we're going to like overanalyze all these words just simply on the basis of the fact that that's you know about all we have right now. But if, if, if you brought like a football fan that doesn't follow Georgia closely – and listen to Smart speak on Saturday about the secondary, I don't think that football fan would be very surprised to find out the next day Georgia added a big-time defensive back from another program. I'm not making light you know, of the guys who are there because I think that they're still going to be called mm. upon to do big things. But S- Smart spoke 
on Saturday like a coach who needed some help in his defensive secondary. And then by the very next day, of course, this has been in the work for a while, but the very next day, put a major punctuation mark on that by adding Tyke Smith. It all just makes a lot of sense when you follow the tea leaves with this. Yeah, and the Tyke Smith thing, do not get it twisted. Georgia still has a massive need at cornerback. He's not going to fill that role. Georgia still needs Keely Ringo, Nyland Green, Amir Speed, Jalen Kimber, whoever it ends up being to become – Winning, winning players develop into great players come the end of the season there. I think what Smith brings most importantly and the thing, you know, Lewis Cena I think is going to continue to develop into a really nice player, but the thing, and you saw this after Richard LeCount went down, Georgia does not have a playmaker in that back half of the secondary like they did with LeCount last season, and that is what Tyke Smith brings. Georgia's defensive backs right now have two career interceptions. Smith alone has four in the two seasons that he has played at West Virginia. So with what he's able to do, with how Georgia's going to be able to be creative to move him around, I think you could see him at either the star or a safety position. While he doesn't cure what you need at that cornerback position, he's going to help cover up a lot of different things in that secondary. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with that last part of it. I mean, you're right. He's not the lockdown corner that, that Georgia really needs. And In fact, it wouldn't surprise me if they're not mm-hmm. done maybe yep. when it comes to some of this kind of stuff. They've still got two scholarships. Yeah, so, so maybe they're still looking for a lockdown corner they want to bring in. But – to be overly simplistic here for a moment, I can't imagine the job of trying to be a lockdown corner is not made easier by having somebody patrolling the middle of the field in kind of that slot you know, type position where so many of these newfangled offenses like to do their work anyway. If you're more solid there in coverage, I'm just assuming the job of you know covering on the outside becomes a little bit easier if you've got a guy who's done this a whole bunch and done it at a really high level. I think Smith's presence make it, makes it easier for the other guys in that secondary to also perform at a high level. Well, yeah, and, and not to bring up bad memories, but think back to that Florida game. How did they beat Georgia? By using the tight ends, by yeah. using the running backs. Smith is a guy who can potentially erase some of those concerns, and I'll be interested to see how quickly he gets integrated into the secondary. He does obviously have the familiarity with Jamal Adai, the new defensive backs coach for Georgia. Okay, so anything else you want to say about football? Because I do want to ask you about basketball mm-hmm. for a second. Anything else you want to say about football? No, I, I think we've covered it. Uh, maybe temper your expectations a little bit on what you see at a JT Daniels on G-Day just because they've had so much turnover at that wide receiver position just in terms of injuries and who's healthy and whatnot. And expecting him to sort of look like the, the player that we all expect him to become the fall might be a bit much. And Traditionally speaking, this number one quarterback for Georgia has not played well on G-Day, and that's by design by Kirby Smart. So I wouldn't go in there expecting JT Daniels to look like a Heisman Trophy candidate. All right, so now my curiosity is going to peak here for a moment. Who's the guy on the receiving end of JT Daniels' throws that would have the biggest potential for – oh my gosh, runaway hype train. Is it Brock Bowers? Because I, mean, I know Kirby talked about Bowers a little bit on Saturday. Like, Who could have the biggest G-Day catching the ball from JT that we would just spend the entire summer just talking about you know, Heisman Trophy campaigns and everything else? Who's the guy? It's Darnell. Starnell Washington. Yeah, I think you may be right. It, about it's Darn. I can't believe you. You know, you, you, you say you say you know. Obviously, you're a stargazer, but right. he, he's the most. I mean, because even last year, you look at those like that Missouri game, that drive where they were just forcing him the football. That opened up everybody's eyes. I think to what he could do if he gets a consistent target share and he's just so big so physical it's like watching LeBron James play Kirby Smart said he's now up to 275 280 he's just if you, if you get him the ball in space he's just gonna mow down opposing linebackers and safeties and I think you know <laughs> it's so true good luck to Quay Walker and Channing Tindall and Lewis Seen if you're trying to tackle Darnell Washington on G-Day if uh, Darnell Washington scores a touchdown on G-Day 
the Monday after version of Dog Nation Day will be no shorter than two and a half hours. It'll just be it'll just be complete retelling of all the legend of big numbers, big O as they like to call them, number zero, getting into the end zone. Georgia fans love to complain about the tight ends not getting the ball enough as is. Could you imagine if Darnell Washington has a big G Day game and then he lands like two catches in the first game against Clemson? Oh yeah, oh boy, be fantastic. So I, as I said before, I want to ask you about basketball. We'll do this kind of quick, but I do think there's something interesting to be said about that. Let me remind you that this is our Kroger Fresh Take here, and of course Kroger's got free pickup for you on orders of $35 or more. This is a really convenient thing to take advantage of. You can shop online. You can choose a pickup time that's convenient for you. They'll carefully uh, pick out your order and then they'll take it to your vehicle when you arrive. This is a, my, my family has done this a whole bunch. When you have young kids and obviously everything that's been going on, uh, this is actually a very, very convenient option. And uh, Kroger does a great job with this. So free pickup for you on that. You can learn more about that by uh, going to Kroger.com slash fresh. Stop by and you just visit your local store. You can talk to them about that there. But the free pickup option is a really great thing to take advantage of on orders of $35 or more. So check that out at your local Kroger. All right, uh, Connor here once again as part of our Kroger Fresh Take. I said this during our SEC through a moment ago, that Georgia basketball is obviously, you know, one of the not quite blue blood programs in basketball. It's had its issues, but no program has had more issues than what Baylor's had to deal with. You know, for the younger audience who may not quite remember the early 2000s, to go back and read about the Dave Bliss era and the the horrible murder of a of a Baylor mm-hmm. player and the conviction of one of his teammates in that murder and the way in which the Baylor coach Bliss kind of slandered the former player, at the, the the murdered player, as a way of kind of protecting himself from NCAA allegations. The whole thing is just gross. And I think that's where Baylor was at the turn of this century and now cutting down nets, winning a national championship under Scott Drew. I don't want to make light of what's happened there, mm-hmm. but it is just matter-of-factly fair to say if Baylor can do it, anybody can yep. do it. So if you're a Georgia fan, do you take any comfort in knowing that one of the just the, the most – disadvantaged programs in the country has now risen the ranks and become a national champion if you're a Georgia fan you take any solace in that so you bring up a lot of really good points there and the main one and I'm going to tie Gonzaga in here too because I sure if you want to clown them tonight sure after what happened last night you know they're still one of the clear yeah. 10 best five best programs in the country and you know that Baylor when Scott Drew walked in there that was set almost 17 years ago 17 18 years ago Baylor went to its first Elite Eight, I think, in 2010. That was over a decade ago. And then they went, they get to their first Final Four this year, and they just happen to win it there. Gonzaga, 22 straight um, NCAA tournament appearances, second national title appearance in the last four t- uh, NCAA tournaments. These teams built patiently over time. And you even look at these teams. Gonzaga's a little different, obviously, with Jalen Suggs. But Baylor, a lot of these guys, they weren't relying heavily on freshmen. They weren't relying on newcomers. A lot of the guys, especially their transfers, Davion Mitchell transferred in from Auburn. Those guys came to Baylor, sat out a year, and then play. This is an older team. Mm-hmm. Patience. That is how Baylor was built. That is how Gonzaga was built. It took time in doing so. And maybe it's hard to do that in college basketball nowadays, especially with the transfer portal and the impact that is having on the sport. But when you look at Georgia, especially in the Tom Crean era, there just has not been a lot of patience, both I think from this Georgia basketball team and in sort of the way the basketball team is viewed. You know, obviously there's turnover, Tunani Kamara entering the transfer portal, there's potential for more guys to go in there. But from a fan base perspective, you know, everyone sees what Bruce Pearl did with Auburn, they see what Nate Oates did with Alabama, and say, well, they did it quickly, why can't we do it quickly? Georgia just clearly is a different job than what those two programs have, and, and Tom Cream is clearly a different coach. And if you want to get to a Baylor level, a Gonzaga level, or even a level where you're consistently making the NCAA tournament, 
I think you have to be patient, and maybe that's possible at Georgia. Maybe it isn't just given the success of the football program, but it's going to clearly take time to build. You know, Obviously, in expecting Georgia to be what Baylor is now, I think maybe that's a bit far, but to get to a, a, a point in time, which is what Tom Crean was brought in here to do, where they consistently make it to the NCAA tournament, it takes patience to get there, and I wonder if both the – Georgia basketball program administration itself has that kind of patience to build patiently over time, and if the fan base at the same point is willing to give that to Tom Crean to this Georgia basketball program. And I think the thing, though, is you got to be patient with um, a situation that is showing signs yeah. of, I mean, success leaves clues, right? Yeah. So if you're on your way to being where you want to be, there'll be hints along the way that that's what's happening. Now, is that happening with Georgia basketball right now? I'm just not quite so mm-hmm. sure. I guess my only message here is I have no idea what the immediate future holds for Georgia. But the idea that the Georgia program is somehow this doomed program and therefore fans should never have any expectations for success, there's just too many examples around college basketball of the opposite that, 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 that Georgia nor any other program is truly doomed. Exactly. You look Virginia, they were a slow build. Yeah. Villanova, while well, yes, they, they've won for a while now. It took, them, it took them over a decade to get to where they are. In college basketball, yes, you do see some flashes in the pans. You know, Auburn made the Final Four in the last NCAA tournament. This year, even if they had been eligible to play in it, they wouldn't have made the tournament. If you want to be a consistent team, if Georgia wants to become Baylor, so to speak, it's going to take time and patience, I think, from both sides. And right now, I don't know if Georgia has shown or exhibited the willingness to have the sort of patience it takes to become a great basketball program. All right, Connor, thanks for being here. Kroger Fresh Take. We'll look forward to reading a bunch from you at dognation.com. And, of course, we'll look forward to having you back on the show again very soon as well. As always, it was a pleasure. All right, so let me just say this we get ready to leave here today. Don't forget, you can always be part of our golden shoe when we do our Gatorade roll call on Twitter at Dog Nation Daily. We had somebody drop one in our comment section at dognation.com, kind of a part of our podcast cool down. You can be part of the golden shoe there. Let me once again do what I do from time to time. Shout out our folks over on the YouTube side of things. You know, for those of you that want to support what we're doing here at Dog Nation, one of the best ways you can do that is by being a youtube subscriber you can get notifications set up there it's a really fun easy video platform to use you know for those of you like reading the website or listening to the show whatever else kind of the next step and all that's become a youtube subscriber a great way i mentioned connor before he's got a show that comes on tonight you know mike griffith jeff sintel all the recruiting stuff you know you want to go back and see the aziz ojalari interview that we did a little earlier it's all for you right there dog nation on youtube make sure you subscribe today how about this speaking of those lousy stinking gators gator hater countdown georgia goes to jacksonville gets a win 207 days from right now that's our gator hater countdown we will see you tomorrow on dog nation daily presented by engineered solutions of georgia have a great day everybody and on the podcast time now for the rs andrews podcast cool down of course rs andrews online rsandrews.com air conditioning heating plumbing electric you can trust all them to do that for you or trust them to do all of that. that's what i mean to say a couple of comments here both on twitter and on the comment section at dognation.com and that's how you can be a part of our podcast cool down hit me up on twitter at dognation daily or drop a line there in the comment section at the end of the uh, post at dognation.com each and every day and we'll be a part of that with you uh, I, thought, I got an interesting tweet the other day from billy carey talking about you know, Georgia kind of getting freaked out a little bit about some of the running back recruits they've lost in recent years. Trey Sanders, he mentions by name. And obviously Sanders has dealt with some injuries at Alabama. And this is similar to something we've said on the show, I think, with Jeff Sintel on Friday, with, uh, I believe, Connor Riley last Tuesday, that you know we do pay attention to some of those high-profile recruitments, five-star running backs who've chosen to go their places, whether it be because of Sanders' injury, you know, John Emory Jr., just not quite 
finding his home yet at LSU, although I believe that can still happen for him this year. Or even a guy like Zach Evans, who you know had kind of the weird scenario that landed him at TCU. Some of those high-profile misses for Georgia at running back, and I use miss in air quote, but some of those high-profile misses have not really you know hampered Georgia's maybe as much as you might would have thought. And you know guys like Kenny McIntosh, Dejon Edwards, lesser recruits by comparison, have really thrived. It, it is really interesting with Georgia at that running back position how well Del McGee's scouting seems to be working out well for Georgia, and that that Georgia seems to be in good shape there. Even though a couple times over the years Georgia quite hasn't gotten the running back that you thought they uh, might. Pretty interesting comment there from Billy. UGA Dad 20 and Timothy1952 in our comment section at dognation.com yesterday, both in the subject of Tyke Smith's case for eligibility having transferred over from West Virginia. I think the thought here is is that you're on your way to kind of open transfers, at least for guys who are not intra-conference transfers. So I think the general consensus here is that that Smith will get that uh, immediate eligibility uh, and that you know essentially now everybody's going to kind of get that with that kind of one-time transfer kind of in place there for Georgia. I also wrote yesterday about something that I mentioned on the show, Vince Dooley, the legendary former coach and athletic director at Georgia, being inducted into the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. Had a chance to be a part of that great ceremony on Saturday. A couple folks weigh in on that. Wazo, the Wonder Dog, says, once a Marine, always a Marine, Semper Fi coach. And, yeah, great for a Coach Dooley and his service in the Marines back in the uh, 1950s and 60s ahead of his time there as UGA coach. A Navy dog also checking in to say a hand salute and a sincere thank you to Coach Dooley and all these great people who served our country and state with such honor and zeal. I've always liked Coach Dooley's friendly personality. Never had the good fortune to meet him, though, in person, but he seems to be a down-to-earth, easy-to-get-along-with sort of fellow. Uh, but I imagine he could bring some heat on his players when they needed the motivation. Yeah, some of those players on Saturday at the ceremony, I had a chance to talk to a few, and they were kind of saying some of that same kind of stuff, is that he definitely brought some of that Marine Corps-style vibe to the way in which he related to them. And that was the cool thing about this past weekend, not only to get a chance to to honor Coach Dooley with all of that, but also the way in which some of the other stories of you know those who had been honored with the silver and bronze star for valor and battle and you know those who had you know in in a couple cases uh, people were inducted into the hall of fame who had been killed in action and you know purple heart honorees and just just so much in the way of of you know our great history as a country you know being told by the in this case men who had served the country it was it was really a a very motivating day it was something i was very thankful to have been a part of and so for those of you that read the story about coach julia dognation.com i certainly appreciate that there as well thanks for being here on our uh, podcast cool down here for today as i said before make sure you check out rs andrews online at rsandrews.com for your air conditioning heating plumbing electric needs uh, also, drop your line to me on Twitter at Dog Nation Daily, or when it comes to the website DogNation.com, right there in the comments section, you can be a part of our podcast cool down. Hope you have a great day. I look forward to seeing you back here again tomorrow.